It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's 8.05. Coming over to 8.06 at 55 Care CD Talk Station. You can hear the smile in my voice because in studio, the incomparable Peter Bronson, who has just got a long storied history with the city of Cincinnati from his Enquirer days, and now these wonderful books he has written, and you've got to read them. Not in Our Town, The Queen City versus The King of Smut, that, of course, Larry Flint related. Forbidden Fruit, Sin City's Underworld, and the Supper Club Inferno, which is the whole history of mob activity in northern Kentucky all the way through the burning down of the Beverly Hills Supper Club. And his most recent book, The Man Who Saved Cincinnati, um, Cincinnati History, Queen City of the West, uh, Peter Bronson in studio, uh, loved all of them, loved all of them. You, you do a great job writing and the fascinating historical accounts of obviously st- local uh, local history. Thank you, Brian. Uh, fun to be here. Thank you for the great introduction. Can I put you on retainer with that? Absolutely. I mean, those summaries were excellent. That would make a great blurb on the back of the book. You can get the soundbite from Just Drecker. It's, okay. it's going to be on podcast. Go and listen right. to it again. I love what Brian said. I want to hear it again. You can play yeah. it over and over on loop. Fantastic. No, but well, I mean, seriously, they... I, you had to have fun writing these books. Oh my gosh, yes. I get I get so deep into these, I'm almost like a man obsessed. You know, I just kind of disappear in my office like Howard Hughes for weeks at a time because I'm just so into the research and it's it's kind of like being part detective and part researcher and part just discovering these treasures of forgotten history. Yeah, I call them cul-de-sacs. Like I'll be I'll be talking on a certain subject matter and I'll get off on a train of thought and and I'll go down some other avenue and then come back to the original subject matter. So I'm sorry to have to go down that cul-de-sac, but I felt I bet that's the kind of activity that happens all the time when you're writing. You like Absolutely. you run into this fact, and you're like, wait a second, who's that guy? Yes. And then you run down that road searching after that guy, and you find out 18 different stories that are worth. And, and next thing you know, you got a whole chapter in a book. Yeah, and and the hard part is actually leaving part of that out oh, because you have to yeah. leave a lot behind. You can't, you got to keep the the story narrative in a linear fashion, so you can't do all these. What we used to call in the news business were sidebars. Sidebars. It's a legal term, too. Understand that. Yes, yeah. I remember those. So a sidebar would be all that stuff that was part of the story, but it really almost deserves its own story. So you'd you'd do a little breakout with a sidebar. But those are, they become chapters. They become footnotes. I have a lot of fun with the footnotes, too. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And great footnotes, by the way. Thank I find you. that, to me... That legitimizes a book because, you know, I can read, and I do every single day, you know, hundreds and hundreds of articles. And, you know, they'll, they'll reference something as a point of fact. And the lawyer in me wants to see the citation. Yeah. Like, How do you wait, back where up? did you get that? Exactly. So there it is. Little yeah. footnote, you go, the source was this. You can check it out on your own and prove, and I'm just reporting what I found in the yep. information. Plus, you're giving credit where credit's due. Absolutely. Love to give the credit. And I love to be able to say, hey, look, if people challenge this or that, I say, check the footnote, footnote, read your own citations. If you have something better, bring it to me. I'll be glad to consider it. 
You are doing a seminar tonight in Power U Studio, Frame USA, 225 Northland Boulevard. If you want to show up, meet Peter in person, get a, maybe get a sign, get your copy of his book signed, I'm sure you'd be happy to do that, won't you? Absolutely. It starts tonight at 7, and you can log in from the comfort of your own home. EmpowerUAmerica.org. So either way you slice it, you're going to want to listen to what Peter has to say about this fantastic book. And you know what? Since you've been on the program a couple times talking about it, I got more reaction and more comments about that 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 sub story within the book about the Black Brigade. Yes, yes. What an amazing story! Isn't Never it? Never heard it before. You wrote about it, and that's the one thing people in the like. Did you? I couldn't believe that story. Remind my listeners about that one. Well, um, I, I'd be glad to, especially because there have been some reports in the news lately that were not exactly accurate, and oh. uh, people weren't really doing the research they needed to do, but. Um, it has come up because I, I hope it's partly because of the book. Oh, I'm sure it is. And, and the people should be uh, looking back at this as one of the proudest moments in our city's history when all of Cincinnati combined and rolled up their sleeves and unified to work together to defend their city and their homes and their families. And all of the distinctions or the barriers of race and class and profession and income and religion, which was big deal in those days, nationality, they all just kind of disintegrated and people fought together. To kind of like post 9-11 kind of thing. Yes, it was. And the irony of that is that 9-11, 1862, was the day that Cincinnati declared victory. Oh, wow. Well, yes. this is the, the story of the Confederates who were... Coming down and breathing down our throats at the yes. time. They were going to attack the city of Cincinnati. And and this uh, great general, the youngest general in the Union Army at the time, Lew Wallace, came over and declared martial law. And he was now the, the, the mayor, was a copperhead, southern sympathizer, George Hatch. He wanted to surrender Cincinnati. Um, and Lew Wallace said, oh, no, you don't. We're going to fight. And they said, well, how are we going to do it? We don't have cannons. We don't have army. We don't have troops. We don't have rifles. We don't have anything. And he said, Cincinnati will defend itself. Well, the first thing the Copperhead mayor does, he sends his police out with bayonets to round up all the black men. And we're going to enslave them and march them across the, the pontoon bridge, the first bridge across the Ohio River. And we're going to march them into Kentucky, which is a slave state. And we're going to force and, and use them like slaves. In fact, they were considered abandoned property over there so that soldiers who were already over there and people just, they saw these black men over there and they would grab them up and say, come on, come with me. Uh, I can do whatever I want. With oh, you. my God. Yeah. So Lou Wallace hears about this and he says, enough of that. And he sends a, a, a fantastic guy, uh, one of his top officers, Colonel Dixon, who is an abolitionist. He goes over to northern Kentucky he finds all of these, takes them back from people who have seized them unlawfully, Right, marches them back across the bridge and says, look, we're very sorry. This is not going to happen again. We're, we've told the mayor that's not going to happen anymore. And um, we could use your help, though, as volunteers. 300 go home that night. They have no expectation that people that were so abused would come back. 300 go home. 700 showed up the next day. That's, I, I, that is just so amazing. Isn't that great? They stepped up. They stepped up. That was the first chance that free black men had a chance to fight for their freedom in the Civil War. That, see, that in, in right here in Cincinnati. Right here in Cincinnati. How come that isn't taught 
in schools. It, it I mean, should be. I mean, what a be. great story. I mean, there are people talking about, let's name the, the new bridge yeah, we, uh, we across. Heard that uh, yeah. The day after you were on the program, someone <laughs> called in and said that. That's a great idea. The Black Brigade Bridge. When they yes. renamed the Brent's Brent's Bridge, or whatever. I, I, I don't know who Brent's Brent's is anyway. Yeah. But we, we need to come up with all these cool. names that people have forgotten. Say, Wait a minute. What, what, why is it called the Black Brigade Bridge? Well, let me tell you a little let story. Me tell you. you can even put their flag up on it. They had their own flag? They had their own flag. That's what's so cool about what uh, Dixon and Lou Wallace did is they gave a great speech when they had these 70, it gives, gives me goosebumps, but they got 700 men who showed up who are not willing to fight. Now, they didn't give them weapons. They gave them picks and shovels because giving weapons to free black men at that time was considered way too radical. But they gave them uh, picks and shovels, and these guys went out way past the front lines. And they were out there building roads and rifle pits to defend Cincinnati. And the cool thing that Dixon did was he he created this flag and named the Black Brigade of Cincinnati as a formal military unit. And he he gave them a stirring speech. It's in the book. Yeah, it's it really is. fantastic. It really is. Yes. It, it will just um it, it's so inspiring to sit, to think of in those days as badly as they were abused they didn't go home and say, we're victims, um, we're going to protest, or anything like that. They said, no, we're going to fight with everybody else, and we're going to jump at this chance to be part of the unity of Cincinnati. And fight against oppressors, which were literally across the river. Right. Yeah, and, I can and, see the motivation. Yeah, and the, one of the great stories that follows is that when they declared victory on September 11th, 1862... All of these troops came marching back across that uh, bridge that was made of coal barges lashed together. Another brilliant Lou yeah. Wallace creation. And uh, they came marching back, and when the Black Brigade marched through downtown, they were cheered just as loudly and with just as much enthusiasm as all the rest of the troops. Great inspirational story happened right here in cincinnati you can read about it in peter's book and learn more about tonight because he's going to be talking about it at the seminar power you america.org the man who saves cincinnati with peter bronson live at 225 northern boulevard again you can log in from home peter's going to stick around we've got a lot more to talk about before we get to jay ratliff at the bottom of the hour in the meantime i want to mention cover coming up at 8 20 at 55 care city talk station brian thomas with peter bronson in studio love peter bronson i love his books you will too get them if you don't own them already one we're talking about today in the subject matter tonight's Empower You America seminar, EmpowerYouAmerica.org, The Man Who Saved Cincinnati, which also includes the tale of Lou Wallace versus Billy the Kid. Yes, that's an amazing story. You, you almost can't believe that it's true that one man could do so many things. He saved Cincinnati. He saved Washington, D.C. from capture uh, later in the war at the Battle of Monocacy. Then he was, um, after the war, he was made the territorial governor of New Mexico which was a mess. New Mexico had one of the greatest range wars going in U.S. history. It was called the Lincoln County Range War. And when you watch uh, movies uh, like old westerns and yeah. they have these range wars, most of those are based on that range war in New Mexico where they had regulators and those were the kind of thugs that were hired to come in and enforce the cattlemen and the, the elite's wishes. Yeah, this is a time before organized law enforcement. Exactly. So you're talking about the cattlemen versus the homesteader kind yes, of fights? Yes, all of that. All that, of that those, was all real. That was real, and hundreds of people were killed in that range war. Um, so not only is that going on, but at the same time, they've got these terrible Indian attacks from Geronimo and Victorio who are killing hundreds of, of homesteaders, uh, raiding them, capturing and, and kidnapping their women and children and killing their men. 
and uh, just terrible uh, torture and terrorism, what we would call today, sure. by the Apaches, the Mescalero Apaches. So Lou Wallace goes out there, and uh, he's in charge of putting all this together and, and trying to bring some order to New Mexico because even the president had said that New Mexico was an embarrassment on the world stage. Oh, my word. On the world stage? Yes. See, news got out slowly, <laughs> yeah. but ultimately to the rest of the world about the problems we were having. How about that? So one of the regular regulators for these um, cattlemen in the range war was Billy the Kid. And by the time he was 21, he claimed to have killed 21 men. Is that how he ended up with that reputation? Yes, yes. So he was a hired gun. He was a hired gun. He was basically just a thug, uh, a psychopath, really. Yeah. He Many of the men he killed were lawmen. Uh, there were about five of them that were deputies and sheriffs that he shot down, usually in the back or in cold blood where they were unarmed or he got the drop on them. And just, um, so he was a bad, bad guy. He was not the... The uh, blue-eyed hero, uh, cute guy that uh, Paul Newman played in The Left-Handed Guy. Right, yeah. The romanticized Billy the Kid who was wronged and misunderstood. No, no, he was just a cold-blooded killer. Yeah, Hollywood, could Hollywood could romanticize Idi Amin. Or, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden. They probably he, will he soon. He was just misunderstood. Yeah. Dear. That's all. Just Coming misunderstood. Coming soon on Netflix, Charles yeah. Manson. No doubt. Right, right. <laughs> It was just a, a commune of love, Peter. That's all that was. <laughs> really? Anyway, and let's, okay, so he ends up going out and, and, and eradicating Billy the Kid. He captured Billy the Kid and put him in jail, and uh, he gave amnesty to all the other outlaws if they would accept it to put down the range war and bring peace. But Billy the Kid was not offered amnesty because he'd killed so many people and there were warrants for his arrest. So he basically, after that, he escaped from that jail in Lincoln County and killed a deputy to escape, <laughs> went on the run, killed another deputy, and finally was gunned down by Pat, Pat Garrett in the famous story, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Which is another book. Another book. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what, what relationship uh, does Lou Wallace have with, the, with the, the attempt to kill Lincoln? Well, that's a chapter in the book that I discovered. It was one of those uh, historical treasures that I don't think anybody knew about. I I was tipped to it by uh, one of the people at the Beringer Crawford Museum in Northern Kentucky. And one of their staff there told me about this, and he said, I've heard this. And, and, and I said, well, I'll, I'll research it and find out if it's true, that Abraham Lincoln, and it was true, he was on his train to go from uh, Springfield, Illinois, all the way to Washington, D.C., to be inaugurated as president after he had won the election of 1860 with 38%, 39% of the vote. So he's not a popular president. Right. There are people threatening his life constantly all the way there. Um, he comes to Cincinnati and stops overnight and gave a bunch of speeches. And there are a lot of copperheads in Cincinnati. Lots of Southern sympathizers, lots of people who really hated Lincoln because he was talking about freeing the slaves and he had uh, disrupted the economy of Cincinnati, it was in a depression because the commerce with the South was just wrecked oh, by the sure. war. Oh, sure, yeah. So he comes to Cincinnati, and, and when he got back on his train car, his private car, an alert deputy, before he climbed aboard, spotted a bomb. And the bomb was sufficient, as they described it, to destroy the entire train car. Oh, my. And it was set to explode at about the same time he would have been just relaxing and taking off his boots and rubbing his hands that had been so, uh, were aching from shaking so many hands, he would have sat down, been
been blown to smithereens. And try to imagine American history if Cincinnati had assassinated President Lincoln before he was inaugurated. Yeah, that would... Always imagine those what if kind of moments, like what if uh, yeah. someone had shot Hitler before he ever rose to power, yeah. and how the world would be a different place. It really makes for fun discussions, but it's also akin to saying, "Well, what what would happen if I won the lottery?" Yeah, yeah, yeah and that doesn't happen. You can't unring the bell. It is what it is. <laughs> it is but what it is. It's but interesting fodder. And it was this close. Hey, before I forget, yeah. um, there's another event I wanted to promote oh, uh, uh, for the Sharonville branch of the Hamilton County Public Library. I'll be doing another book signing there on Sunday at 2 p.m. And uh, they're expecting a good turnout, but there's still plenty of room. So anybody wants to come out Sunday, Sharonville branch of the Hamilton County Public Library, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Question, no pressure. I don't mean to ask you, uh, uh, but I don't ever ask questions you don't know the answer to, your lawyer phrase, but I don't know the answer. (laughs) Are you bringing copies of your book to 225 Northland Boulevard tonight for people to buy? Absolutely, yes. So I'll have all three books there. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. And um, I'll probably do some kind of special for the Empower You crowd because they're one of my favorite audiences. I love them. I've been there about four or five times, and they're just great. Absolutely. Top top quality people. It's because they're my listeners, Peter. (laughs) I have the best audience in radio so bring all three buy and i can't encourage you folks enough to buy all three man who saves cincinnati forbidden fruit sin city underworld and supper club inferno and then not in our town the queen city versus the king of smut he's got other books as well but at least get those peter bronson it's a distinct pleasure to have you in studio god bless you sir and always uh, a pleasure to be with you enjoy your time tonight thank you thank you very much 827 55 krc the talk station Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.